We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have been humbled 5-1 at Tottenham Hotspur. You have myself, Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson and Norman ready to talk you through what went wrong why and what happens next potentially we are on patreon for six pounds 60 a month lots more of these podcasts uh for that figure and you also keep this podcast free you also get these for past these podcasts advertising free so come and join us ahead of a big week before we play three games at home but more about that later norman you were at the london stadium the new lane whatever you want to call it we don't care particularly um i imagine it wasn't a great day but a lot of people kind of the feedback is that was shite but it's not time to panic. What do you think, pal? It was an absolutely horrendous day after around about 4.30. In fact, no, actually, I tell a lie. It was a horrendous day from, what would you say, 10 past 5, maybe, when Spurs equalised. It went rapidly downhill. Uh, up until that point, it'd been a great day. Um, great build-up to the match. Crack and pub, but me and Chris Shipman talked about that on the OEN, which is obviously on the parent platform right now, a sort of 15-minute bite size. Description of the day outside of the context of the football match. Just talking about the pubs we go to, what we thought the stadium, the atmosphere, etc. So it was excellent um, up to a point, but then the game itself, as I say, once they equalised, deteriorated into an absolute horror show to the point where I genuinely feel, and I'm happy to admit this on air, when they got that third goal, if I hadn't been recording the consigned to the bin forever match day podcast that I <laughs> spectacularly lost due to make issues. Um, if I hadn't been recording that, I would have been sorely tempted to leave. It was quite obvious, even from the moment they went 2-1 up, that we were done and they were well on top. Um, however, in terms of panic, absolutely no reason to panic whatsoever. Look, um, we are nine points clear after the bottom Watford. Watford lost at the weekend. Burnley lost at the weekend. Norwich are irrelevant in any way. Everton lost at the weekend. Leeds didn't win. We are in a much stronger position than any of those sides. In fact, out of the bottom six teams at the moment, if you look at form over the last five games, only Leeds have got more points than us still, despite the fact we've lost three three off the spin. They've got seven points, we've got six. No one else has got that many points. I think Watford maybe next on four. Um, Panicking, no, Burnley have won three games all season. You know, Jonathan Pierce was a match of the day talking about Burnley and saying, well, you know, the look at these home games against XXX and he listed five teams. And I thought, Jonathan... This is a team that's won basically one in nine games on average all season, and you're expecting them to go win five games between now and the end of the season. It's you know the, the, the logic just didn't add up. Um, you know, Watford, I guess, I think could overtake Everton, but they've played two games more, so no matter how bad Everton are, they'd still need a big swing there. Um, you know, for Watford, for example, who are third bottom at the moment to overtake us, 
they need to get 10 points more than us from eight games, right? So let's just say we get six points. That means Watford would need 16 points from eight games. It just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't seem probable, right? Um, and, you know, you look at Everton, Everton's last fixtures, you've got Manu on there, Leicester twice, Liverpool, Chelsea. And the next game is Burnley away. So obviously that's great for, for us in that neither of those sides can get three points. Um, I still think that our fixtures are good, despite the big hitters in there, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. I do think Crystal Palace would have just played in the Cup semi-final. So they might either have one eye on the final or they'll just be absolutely battered from getting hammered off whoever it is they're playing. Um, so, no, I'm I'm confident. I think Leicester at home, Wolves at home, Palace at home. I can see seven points in those three games. And ultimately, I am no way, shape or form panicking. We are in, as I say, a much better position than all those other sides below, in my opinion. An emphatic response to that one. Charlotte, do you agree? I mean, I'll ask you first of all, how are you feeling after yesterday? It was massively disappointing. Even if you aren't panicking, it was it was what we are. We thought we were beyond, but we're not. Yeah, it's it was really disappointing. Watching yesterday, watching us totally collapse in the second half was just a, a little dose of we're not out of the woods yet. I think Norman's absolutely right. I think our season, something would have to go catastrophically wrong on... Many things would have to go catastrophically wrong between now and the end of the season for us not to be safe. But what yesterday highlighted is how, quite how much work there needs to to be done in the summer both in terms of strengthening the squad and in terms of sort of dealing with those top top teams top top teams like uh like Spurs you know they were just we were just outclassed yesterday um I'm not panicking it's really easy to panic it's really easy to look at a performance like yesterday and think oh god like that's us for the rest of the season in the same way that we looked at the better performances from January onwards and thought, that's us for the season. We're on a winning streak. We're just going to keep winning. It's easy to get carried away like that. Spurs are brilliant. Like, Spurs are a very good side. They've got some really, really excellent players. We couldn't contain them yesterday. That's that's just the short of it. And I think, we, I think, we're, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I'm pleased you, you, you brought in those, you know, the previous good run from January because each time there is a result like this, and in fact, I'll say it, I think that's the first time under Eddie Howe we've put in kind of two stinkers back to back. We were poor at Everton. Still shouldn't have lost the game on the balance of play and the performance, but we were, we were poor by our standards against a really, really bad team. And then we were very, very poor second half, second half yesterday. So it's, it's the first time under Eddie Howe there's been two bad back-to-back performances, I think. Um, particularly in games, you know, Spurs away, it, it, it's not a game you'd expect Newcastle to pick three points up in. Particularly, like you correctly say, Charlotte, Spurs' form under Antonio Conte is very good. Uh, scored more goals, I think, than anyone else in the Premier League this year. In fact, that we've helped them along the way yeah, with that did. one. <laughs> but if you look back at what we've achieved since January, I mean, first of all, these kind of results and performances don't take away from that. You know, to even be disappointed with not being able to kick on and push towards maybe 12th place, that tells you how far we've come because, you know, being 17th, if you'd have said to most fans, particularly after the Watford home game, you'll be 17th in the middle of March or, or the start of April, people would have been delighted with that. But also, I, I look back at a lot of those games that we've won. In fact, probably, even though we understand the size of the victories in terms of their importance to the team's league position, you know, a lot of those games, Newcastle really did glean every possible advantage they could in terms of, like, you know, being fitter, being stronger, defending better. You know, we beat Leeds... Me and Norman were there. It was a really, really tight game, and Leeds had the better chances, but we won. We beat Brighton. Brighton dominated the game. We defended very well. We beat Southampton, who had 70% possession. We beat Villa, who dominated the play after we scored. 
So in fact, those results were probably even better than I think we realised at the time because it does, days like yesterday, when you look at the difference in class between how Spurs operated and some of Spurs' players and how we did, it does make you think actually a lot of these players, I've been wondering recently, we've done a few pairing podcasts about it, but what is the natural ceiling for this team? Is it, can it compete with Aston Villa, Brighton and those teams who are comfortable at the relegation picture? Well, days like yesterday and the last couple of results suggest Eddie Howe deserves all the credit in the world for just getting us clear of relegation. Anything else beyond this set of players, might it might be a little bit beyond us. But we're, we're going to talk about it. I certainly don't think it's time to panic. I think we're safe. I think we've been safe a long time. I certainly don't think Newcastle are not going to win a game this season. I think we, and, and I am often guilty of underplaying the fact that Eddie Howe losing Callum Wilson in December, that could be terminal. To most teams trying to avoid relegation, losing your your, your best striker like that would be terminal. Uh, and losing Kieran Trippier like we have. So Eddie Howe has been operating without well, his two best players pretty much for the majority of the time he's been here. Um, and, and, you know, he deserves credit for that. That said, Norman, you know, yourself, what, 2,999 others, uh, many of whom who travelled from the northeast for the game, probably deserved much better than what they got yesterday, mate. What was it like in the away end? You know, I've heard people describe it as flat, even before Spurs started, you know, scoring lots and lots of goals. Can you just give the listeners a little bit of a, a window into what it was like then? Was there much anger towards the end? To the dead podcast that was the Match Day podcast on it, um, on several occasions, I said that uh, I, I, was, I was stood next to my brother and I turned around on a few times. I said, the atmosphere is just flat. And there was a couple of blokes running saying exactly the same thing, saying, what, what is this? And it, it was really flat. There, was, there wasn't anger there. Um, it's funny because obviously, you know, you a lot of times lately we've gone into stadiums and on the in the concourse uh, before the game, it's just been absolutely wild. And I've seen a couple of videos doing the runs on Twitter uh, from yesterday. I think there's one at half time, especially after Spurs have just equalised where fans are going to mad. And then there was one like in the 75th minute where there were four one up and fans are going to mad. It's like, aye, that's brilliant. But, you know, the, the 75th minute one, for example, was probably just a reaction to the fact that we're already beaten and people are kind of showing that, that you know, that's, Kind of brave face and a uh, brave face in front of adversity, but during the game itself, no, mate, it, it was it, it was terribly flat. I mean, look, Spurs were dead flat as well. I will say, you know, for a stadium of that size with that those kind of acoustics and that many fans, they were they, they just kind of went back to the, the default of teams who moved to new stadiums and they were just really really quiet. Um, but I we it was very odd. I, I can't, it, it's a, an atmosphere that I've not been in for a long time. In fact, I can't record an atmosphere I quite like it. Um, and when Spurs started racking the goals up. It wasn't anger, it was, I guess, acceptance. And I think that maybe reflects the lack of panic. People are like, well, yeah, it was just a very bad day at the office all around. And that's why, that's why you know, loads of people aren't angry about how bad the performance was. It's just like, well, look, we've been absolutely destroyed by a much, much better team. And that is going to happen. Whilst we have this squad of players, you know, not, not digging the players out, I don't want to do that. But ultimately, this is a squad that's been in the bottom half of the table for a long time. And on occasion... This squad of players is going to get it, take a pace off a much better team, and that's and that's what happened. Um, the, there weren't many songs going around, and look, I guess there were another couple, another factor might be the way that the stadium's designed, right? You've been, uh, you've both been to Wolves actually, and you know how they've got the away fans there, kind of along a sort of narrow stretch, and it's just detrimental, isn't it? It's detrimental to creating a real sort of collective atmosphere, and Spurs is a bit like that. You, you the way that you, you're kind of twisted around, and then you've got Spurs fans on top of you. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work like West Ham with that sort of double platform thing they've got going on. It's very much like that. Although I thought West Ham was was a lot better than yesterday. Um, so I just 
really, really flat, mate, but definitely not anger. Definitely not anger. Just a, probably just an acceptance of, well, yeah, this may happen from time to time once we've got this squad. Fair enough. Well summarised. We're going to leave you now with a couple of advertisements. Again, if you don't want to listen to them, but you do want to keep listening to this podcast, you can get them on our Patreon platform for £6.60 a month. We'll be back straight after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Charlotte, you um, you said to me you thought there was potentially a lack of leadership on the pitch yesterday. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, so Shelby had the captain's armband and, you know, I like Shelby. I like this sort of Shelby, what are we calling him, like 4.0 now, um, <laughs> under Eddie Howe. Um, I've slagged him off loads in the past, but I think he's been really good. I think he's, his weight rate's improved, his fitness has improved, all of that stuff. I know that he's sort of this natural choice when the cells isn't on, Trippy is not on, like to be this third choice captain. But yesterday, head started going after the second half started pretty much. And I did not see him like getting everybody back, getting everybody back together, getting this sorted out. I mean, we had started going before that because the that spicy little Joe Linton argument was um, was before half time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I just look back to how organized and how like um, leaderly someone like Kieran Trippier was, and we got to experience that for a few games. How. We would go, you know, they, they would equalize, or or we would go one nil down. You'd be collecting the ball out the goal, like okay, that's okay. Like let's let's organize this like this. I just couldn't see that yesterday at all. Dubravka used to do that, and I've seen him do it this season. But yesterday, I don't know where he, where he was, but he wasn't in London, <laughs> and um, and and I just couldn't see. I couldn't identify. I was watching on the telly. Couldn't identify anyone on that pitch who was was leading that team. I just, you know, and I don't want to, like, drag anyone. There were bad performances yesterday, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about them. I don't want to I don't want to stick my, you know, stick the knife in too hard, but I 
I think we're really lacking a, a leader on the pitch at the moment. And um, and I think as they started scoring and kept scoring, that was really apparent. I agree completely. And I'm pleased you brought up the, the Joe Litton thing because, again, it's it's just social media and everyone has a different view probably. But I wasn't particularly impressed by that. A lot of people like, oh, isn't it great? You know, Joe Litton's got ASM's back. And ASM, by the way, who... who now, did he have a good game? Absolutely not. But at least he was getting fouled. <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, particularly in the first half, I think you've got a Spurs player booked. He was getting kicked nonstop in the in the first half. And I understand Joe Linton's frustration at that. But come on, mate, like you've just you've just you've just got the most unnecessary yellow card. You've even yeah. risked a red card by raising your hands to a player and pushing him over. And and like you say, it just seemed to spread throughout the team. There was a little bit of maybe injustice. Felt that Newcastle weren't better protected by the referee in the first half. I thought actually, it is not Martin Atkinson's fault. We lost this fixture. <laughs> I cannot place that this defeat on his head. But I thought he let Spurs get away with so many fouls when they were wrong side, pulling players back. There was a, a foul I think by Sonny that kind of scissored um, a player from behind. Didn't didn't get a yellow card. Um, so I think I think that was probably upsetting the players a little bit. But you know, you know, Dan Byrne comes out second half and is is like half an hour late on Harry Kane. There wasn't loads of contact, but it's it's a yellow card all day. And when you've got Joe Linton doing that, when you've got Dan Byrne doing what he did, and there too, you'd you'd look at those two and think, well, okay, who who's a leader in this side? Who's a vocal presence? Who's experienced? You'd look at those two players, and and that they're going on like that. Yeah, it was really concerning, and I think. One of the most annoying things about yesterday is that Newcastle had played well. You know, Newcastle, when they scored, it was not against the run of play. It was it was probably a deserved goal. Yeah, Hugo Lloris wasn't under loads of pressure. But after kind of a shaky first 15, when we sat very deep and let Spurs do their worst, which was nothing, we then scored a deserved goal after some good pressure and good possession and good territory, some nice nice passing moves. And then in the second half, it's like heads went. And, and, and to bring it back to what you said, Charlotte, about John Joe Shelby... Maybe this is the issue with him having the captaincy playing the role that he does. We should have, after, definitely at 3-1, if not before, potentially at 2-1, we should have gone back to the way we played at 0-0. It should have been hard to break down, hard n- not leaving space. The fact that Spurs' goals, and we could analyse all the Spurs' goals and find lots of faults with lots of players, but overall, the overall picture on the pitch was a team that just seemed to to throw the game plan out the window either in frustration or frustration themselves or the referee or, or the situation. And that's a real concern. More's got to come from the sidelines, by the way. You can't just put it on the players there. But I, I agree with you, and I've seen it said on social media, someone like Kieran Trippier probably probably at least tries. I'm not saying everything would be fine if Trippier played. I don't think he lets fucking their lads score the second goal, Mankio, big deal all season. You know, does Emil Kraft let that goal And I'm not sure. Um, I don't think Kieran Trippier fixes everything, but yeah, someone some at some point yesterday should have said, "Right, lads, we're losing, we're losing our heads here. We're, we're losing our heads. We're tactically ill-disciplined, and th- this is almost like if Spurs could choose how to play against us, we're playing into their hands." Norman, you want to add? I agree with both you like, broadly. Um, absolutely missed having uh, a leader on the pitch yesterday, and I don't think John Joe Shelby is necessarily the kind of captain for for this type of game. Um, but what I will say is that I, I think if Trippier plays yesterday, it may be three one instead of five. They were just they just absolutely did win. And look, we were excellent for the first, in the first twenty minutes, especially. We were completely in control. Um, it's almost it almost felt like we didn't actually plan to score before half time. It's like we planned to win at half time nil nil, and then maybe get a goal sort of early second half. Um, so to quote a 
much loved ex manager. Maybe we just scored too early. Um, but no, the um, <laughs> the the fact the fact is that I think you know every as I say everything you, I, I, everything you said. They both agree with. I, I agree with you both that you know you need a player on the pitch to maybe uh, kind of sort out the disorganisation, get people's heads together. But ultimately, look that also has to be extended to Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall because those players went out of that dressing room having played well for basically 43 minutes of the first half and having taken the lead. And then they came out and collapsed in the second half. So, yes, a leader would have been really important, especially when that second goal went in. But ultimately, you know, you, you, you look to your manager and your coaches for leadership as well. So I think it was just a collective collapse yesterday. You know, lack of leaders on the pitch, a lack of... Not not necessarily clear instructions, but possibly the wrong instructions from the sidelines. So I, I think you know, yes, a leader would have made on the pitch would have made a difference, but ultimately, I still think we were just bested by a better manager and a better team. And even with Trippier and Wilson on yesterday, I still think, given the way Spurs are playing, the way Conte has set them up, and the way that we were set up, they probably still would have had a half decent win against Spurs. Well, it's interesting you say that, and it brings me nicely on to the next point. Does Eddie Howe need to take some responsibility here? And has he has he just got it wrong? Now I'll hold my hands up here. When I saw the lineup and I saw that it was going 4-3-3, I thought, fantastic, we're, we're gonna see a little bit what these lads are made of. Having said that, we got beat 5-1, so that you know there's that against setting up like he did. But also, could could he not have just said to the lads, Chelsea, do what you did there, same formation, five at the back. Can you just do the same, lads? Can you sit deep? Can you deny space in behind? Can you make sure Chelsea can't run in behind? Can you make sure that in midfield in particular we give them no space whatsoever? They can't play through any of our lines. Instead, he's had 16 days to prepare and it it does look like overconfidence. Now, in hindsight, again, I'm as guilty as anyone because I was like punching the air when I saw that team in that formation. What do you think, Norman? Do you, do you think that ultimately... He's misjudged the the capabilities of this team against this opposition and and got it wrong. I he would I mean he got it wrong because he lost five one right and it's quite quite convincingly in the second half especially. Um, but like you like you when I saw the team I was over the moon I was thinking you know what man Kieran for Kraft I'm happy to see that uh, the fact we've gone four three three the midfield I'm, I'm really pleased with obviously would I like to see Bruno start after how he played for Brazil midweek yes I probably would but then again you ask well who who does he keep out the team um given that those three together played played so well um so i look yes he got it wrong but again even if we'd played like we did against chelsea with a similar system i just think they had too much for her yesterday um you know the the fact is that you, you look at it like this right regardless of how well we played during that nine game unbeaten run right this is a squad of players who have finished in the bottom half of the table for X amount of seasons off the trot, right? Going on a nine-game unbeaten run is an absolute anomaly for this for this squad in general, right? It happened, but losing three games off the spin is actually more the default over the past few seasons, right? And I think just because we had that nine-game run, now we've lost three off the, off the spin. It's more, we're starting to question, where did he get it wrong yesterday? Where did he get it wrong yesterday? Well... Yes, he made he made some mistakes, but ultimately, looking at his three defeats in twelve, and that that's you know, like if, if these defeats are spread out amongst those twelve games, it wouldn't. I don't think it would kind of induce this. What did he get wrong yesterday? It's just like, well, no, no, actually, we've had this incredible run that is, as I say, an anomaly, and we've come up against the Spurs team that are pushing for the Champions League. They've got one of the best managers in the world. I mean, look, as much as I love how he's not the same league as Conte, he may, he may well be one day, but right now he just isn't. 
and they've got much, much better players. And we brought in some good players during that transfer window. We know we brought in players to do a job for us right now. They brought in um, Kulisevsky and Betancourt, who are just outstanding players and have improved what was already a team that was better than us. They've improved them even more. So I'm not going to dig how too much he got it wrong, but I think you learn from it. I'm not going to dig the players out too much because they're just not in the same league as Spurs. Again, as I say, the way Spurs are playing at the moment, the way Conte has got them, I think we would have struggled regardless of how well we played yesterday. And we did play well, as I say, for the first 44 minutes um, to, to get anything. So um, I'm just looking forward to putting this one to bed. I don't know about you two, but I'm looking forward to Wolves because we beat Wolves and this is, this is totally forgotten about. I think you're right. I will... I will disagree slightly, okay? And I, yeah, putting it to bed. And, and you, you know, if we go and beat Wolves, who cares about this fixture? You know, the, the, the three, we haven't played at home since the, well, the 5th of March uh, against Brighton, which seems like a lifetime ago. So, you know, we've had four away games in a row, which how, before we'd even kicked the ball in any of those games, was critical of the Premier League for scheduling that, you know. We could have, pl- we could have played, you know, Palace instead of Southampton or whatever. But I just, I, I'm really interested by Eddie Howe's post-match comments about this result potentially being a good thing to focus minds. That's got to be aimed at some of the players. That's got to be aimed. Now, if I pick on two players in particular, I look at ASM for Spurs' first goal. And I, I really, really like ASM. I think I think he's going to do great things over the next couple of weeks at home. An integral part of our squad. Really good player. I'm a big fan. He's a disgrace for their first goal. Okay, so the the ball is comes in from a corner, it's recycled. Chris Wood um, follows the ball to the edge of the box, um, and Son, who took the corner, is completely unmarked. And ASM is stood on the edge of our box, kind of at the at the corner of it, and doesn't move the whole time. In fact, when Chris Wood, when the ball is played back to Son, Chris Wood has a look at ASM to think, "Are you are you playing? Are you part of that? You know, are you are you going to run? Are you going to close him down?" He doesn't move a bit. And when you've got someone like Son unmarked to cross a ball and ASM has just he's not marking anyone he just lets him cross the ball that 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 doesn't happen the other team don't do that and that that makes it really hot so you know great goal son brilliant cross world-class player that's really poor from us the second goal um ASM does track back this time though he's out of position Joe Linton comes across to cover and Harry Kane one of the best footballers in the world is allowed to cross the ball unmarked Joe Linton doesn't actually close him down across the ball and then I, I'm kind of like you, mate, Norman. I'm thinking, all right, if we play wing backs, do we stop either of those crosses? But really, that it's a little bit of a desire thing on both on both occasions. The lack of organisation, but it's a desire thing, and that's the antithesis of what we've seen on Eddie House so far. We've been full of desire. We've been full of running. We've, we've worked harder than other teams. The most disappointing thing for me about yesterday is not the result because we kind of half expected to get beat. It's the it's the fact that second half in particular. It just looked like Spurs wanted a little bit more. And that's an extremely easy way to, to blame defeats. All right, the, the, the team didn't want it. But there didn't seem to be the kind of running, the, the, the togetherness, the camaraderie that we've seen in, in, in previous games. But normally you want to come back to me on ASM. You're absolutely right in what you're saying about the ASM um, for that goal. No, no two ways about it. But this, this is the way you got to, the way I look at it, right? We're now this about the ASM, right? We think he's a fantastic player. His... Uh, value to the Newcastle United uh, club since he signed to Newcastle United has just been incredible, right? He's, he's assists, his goals more or less kept up, right? In many respects, um, he's been he's been phenomenal. But he has never been the player that we wanted to see him yesterday, be yesterday, right? And he's never going to be. I just don't think he's going to be. So I suppose what you could you could look at like well thinking well actually do we just play SM in those games where 
we're, we're not playing against these teams like Spurs, who are you know who have these world class players. Do we not play them against teams like Man City away? Do we not play them against teams like Chelsea away? Do we just keep them in those games where actually we can afford we can afford a little bit more that that luxury of having someone who isn't actually going to do the tracking back and the blocking? I don't, I don't know, um, and, and I think as well that. It's it's one of those games that shows you well actually if Newcastle end up pushing or getting into the Champions League and we've got these brilliant players then they may be ESM can be part of the team but obviously if Hell wants a team where every single player puts in the necessary graft and I'm talking doing all the dirty work as well as the you know the entertaining stuff that ESM does then then maybe there's a, a bigger conversation about his future as part of a successful Newcastle United squad but uh, yes he shouldn't he, he should have done better yesterday but again this is just what he's been doing since he signed, right? Um, so I'm, I'm not getting too wound up with it. And, and as for Joe Linton, look, Joe Linton's been brilliant for like several games during the unbeaten run, right? Most of them he's been fantastic, but he's still a player who's been put into a position that he's never played in before in his life. And he, whether he's going to be in that position long-term, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, and he just, I wasn't at the races like most of them, you know, that, that push, as you said before, he could have got a red card for it. And I think, just think, think his head wasn't in the right place. So, Yes, the players individually, there were some of them really bad, but at the same time, I'm loath, I'm loath to criticise them too hard. Fair enough. You know, I agree with you that there's, there's no need for us to go overboard on, or the fan base to go overboard on yesterday. It was a bad day at the office. I feel, Charlotte, like these results, and I kind of understand what Eddie Howe's talking about when he says it could be a good thing. You know, with eight games left this season, he's probably going to learn a lot about certain players, if you assume that we are safe, and lots of people don't, but but I think we assume that we are, like you were saying earlier on in the show. Bruno Gamares is an interesting one, because again, I was delighted that um, the, three, the, three, the, the midfield, as it's become to be known, like the midfield got to start together. Mm-hmm. I think they were unbeaten. That is a midfield three, those players starting together. So I thought Bruno Gamares' um, place on the bench was justified again. Couldn't have been proved more wrong. And when he came on, I thought Newcastle did get better. Yeah. Do, do you think, are you of the opinion that, that for the rest of the season, now particularly since we're building towards next season in theory, he just has to play every single game? Um, It's a good question. I think I think my answer is yes. But the but the the question that then immediately follows, right, is is for who then? For who like how how do you switch up the midfield to facilitate Bruno playing every single game? Because he was a straight swap for Joe Linton yesterday and he was a better presence on the field. But they are a very similar sort of midfielder. So I don't know that I would have them on together necessarily. Um but yesterday you are right, he 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 elevated the game. So I think so. And I think the only reason he didn't start yesterday was because he's just come back off international duty and pulling him on for 90 minutes is probably a bit too much. But yeah, for me, yes, I think he has to be, right, we purchased him in January looking to the future, didn't we? We He has to be this sort of figurehead. And we've seen snippets so far of what he can do. Um, If we are safe... I agree with you. We are. Oh, God. Touching all the wood in the room. Um, If we are safe, then yes, he needs to get as much game time as possible. We need to see how he plays. We've got some really big sides to play. We've got Man City. We've got Liverpool. We've got, you know, um, Wolves even are are a good different playing team for, for us to see how he plays against them. I think it's a really good opportunity for Jason Maddog Tyndall and Eddie Howe to really 
evaluate this player and see how we move forward in the midfield. So yes, I would have him. I would have him start. Yeah, it was a it was a good day yesterday for lads out the team. Um, and and yeah, I just think now Bruno, what eight games? If he, if we can go to next season all being well with him having got eight full Premier League starts under his belt, I almost think e- even if the the three midfielder played really well yesterday which they didn't, none of them did. And, and that's the second game in a row Joe Linton's been hooked, which, you know, before that he was an absolute must stay on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do wonder whether his, you know, he's, he's supposed to have had a, a groin injury. They're not quick fixes. I don't know whether he's injured. I don't know whether they want to get safe first before anything needs operated on. I'm speculating because he didn't play great and he's been so good for so long. But I do, I do think Bruno needs to start. Norman, you know, I was, I, I was, we're coming at the end of the show and I did want to talk about a few players, but one player I'd like to just touch on with you before we'll go is Chris Wood getting a bit of criticism and, and Charlotte you referenced that Bruno had been halfway around the world and played twice Chris Wood the same and, and, and started Norman your, your take on Wood because people that, that frustration that seemed to have abated after the Southampton goal seems to be starting to creep back in he had a, he had a difficult day yesterday he did have a difficult day and you could argue that you know he, he's tired from his away exertions when New Zealand. I think all the games were played in Qatar. I might be wrong there, but I don't know how much energy he would have um, spent playing, you know, against the New Caledonia and Tahiti Pote, who might have questioned the quality of those footballing nations. Um, but obviously, you know, there probably is a little bit of tendency. However, look, Wood wasn't great by any stretch of imagination. In fact, he was, he was anonymous, right? I wouldn't even say he was terrible. He was just totally anonymous. However, yeah. like, what service did he have? What, like, what did he get? You know, like, so I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to criticise him. Like he's a he's a centre forward from who we saying from Burnley to weak my relegation uh, rivals to hopefully get where a few goals. He's got one. He might end up the season with three or four to improve the team. You know when I think when Wood signed, we were maybe second bottom with one win. You know on what was it eleven points since Wood signed, we've got twenty points in my my fourteenth or fifteenth or whatever it is. So him coming in and being a you know, just being a centre forward up top has. But he's contributed, he's contributed to a getting better. But of course, Chris Wood isn't the kind of player who, if we're pushing for the Euro, you know, Europe next season, he's not going to be starting regularly up front. We know that. So to come down hard on him is a little bit harsh because I always come back to this. Just remember, like, remember what Chris Wood is as a player. He signed from a team that has been battling relegation four years to play for a team that is battling relegation to keep that side in the Premier League. And it looks to me very much like Chris Wood signed to help a team avoid relegation from a team that fights against relegation is going to achieve the job that he's brought in to do. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize him. He's gonna have poor games because ultimately if he was a world class centre forward, he wouldn't have been playing at Burnley for five years in the Premier League or whatever it is and he wouldn't have signed for second bottom Newcastle United. He's brought in to help avoid relegation and he'll do that and you get a big pat on the back when he inevitably leaves maybe after the end of next season. I also you know yeah, I totally agree with you, Norman. I think, you know, Bruno's come back from international duty with, and we didn't play him straight off. What, what's our alternative for Chris Wood? What's, what, what alternative do we, we don't have one? Can't, uh, Max doesn't work, Sam Max doesn't work up front. We saw that yesterday. Dwight Gale. Dwight, Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale. <laughs> the renaissance of Dwight Gale. Two goals in the international break, Dwight Gale. Um, no, you're right though, you're right. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, he shouldn't start, but... It is interesting. I think we'll leave it there. We've, we've done half an hour from a 5-1 defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back on the free podcast uh, after the Wolves game. I think we're recording that next Saturday morning. Hopefully a bit more upbeat and a bit more positive as Newcastle get back to winning Rays after three defeats in a row. Thank you so much for listening. We're on Patreon, of course, if you want to hear more of this kind of thing through the week and beyond. Speak to you all very soon. Bye-bye.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.